He instructed me, Daniel, now I have come to give you insight with understanding. At the beginning of your plea for grace, a word went out, and I came to declare it for you because you are very treasured. Um, I think maybe highly favored in the NIV. Highly esteemed. Yeah. Um, Very similar to highly favored. This is Gabriel's way of greeting people. Who else did he say highly favored to or highly esteemed? Mary. Sure. Um, So pay attention to the word and understand the vision. Uh, Gabriel says more than once, the word. The word went out. Pay attention to the word. This is 500 years B.C., right? Who is the word of God? Jesus Christ. Um, and so you have a message here from God. Jesus, in, 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 in John chapter 1, when Jesus is introduced as the word of God, we are led to understand by the apostle that Jesus is the ultimate in communication from God to man. Everything about Jesus from his name to his words to his actions to his atonement to his resurrection and ascension, all of it communicates God's will to us. Jesus is the word of God. Um, So here, Gabriel communicating a word of God to Daniel. This is important. This is God's word directly to you. I'm just the messenger, but the word is what you should focus on. So pay attention to the word and understand the vision. So it's to give him insight and understanding. Pay attention, and here it comes. And here we go. The last four verses of the chapter. Um, I hope we have time for them. And people struggle to understand these four verses, 27, 24, 25, 26, 27. This is the toughest, one of the toughest things in all of scripture to to understand. And can I say, I was struggling for the last two weeks with this, and then I remembered something. In 1998, I wrote my senior dogmatics paper on this passage. Um, I'd forgotten all about it. And I wrote it at the time for this day, knowing my dogmatics professor told told us, you know, that the day will come when you're going to want notes on this. So take, and I wrote a paper on it. And so, uh, uh, and I, wouldn't it have been ironic if I had gone by today without remembering that I'd written about it to myself all those years ago. So I'm glad I remembered and read. Um, so, uh, so here we go. By the way, the title of my paper was The 70 Weeks of Daniel, Yesterday, Today, or Tomorrow. And that's the question we're going to answer. Is it yesterday, today, or tomorrow? The whole purpose of what we're given here is for our benefit. That was in our opening prayer. Uh, This is for our understanding. It's not for our confusion. Um, It is somewhat, because prophecy and parable are somewhat for the confusion of unbelievers. But for us, this is for our benefit and for uh, for the grace of God to be disclosed to us. And the, the insight, the understanding, the consideration Daniel has is um, about when the Messiah comes, when the Christ comes, what else will be happening in the world? 
how will we be able to understand that this was the right moment that Christ came? And what's going to happen afterwards? Um, and by the way, I have a picture to help at the end of all of this. Okay? And I'm going to say this again now because I've said it before um, as we've been studying Daniel. I am not interested in teaching you what other people believe. And I don't want to tell you today what other people believe because I'm afraid that tomorrow you're going to remember what other people believe and not what the scriptures teach us. So I'm just going to lay out what the Bible says here. And I'm not going to get into millennialism and dispensationalism. And dispensationalism is a big part of American Protestantism today. And I'm not going to lay any of that out for you. I'm going to tell you what scripture says. Okay. Um, and it might, be, it might be of benefit to have a comparison another time. But right now, as we're working through Daniel, I just want to explain what it actually says. And we'll let the dispensationalism and all of that wait for some other moment, um, but not today. Okay, we're just going to walk through what it says and means today. Is that okay with everybody? Okay. Because I, I, I've said this before, but whenever I've had the, the, the text and what other people teach presented to me in the same class, I get confused right away after the class is through. can be the best teacher in the world, and I, I, my brain is just swimming then at lunch afterwards. So just what the text says today. Verse 24. And notice the way I've formatted the, the text. This is my formatting the HE's translation. So we have two parallel triplets in this verse. Okay, um, to do this, to do that, and to do this, and then to do this, to do that, and to do this also. That's what this goes. So, 77s or weeks are determined concerning your people and your holy city. Three things, to end rebellion, to finish sin, and to atone for guilt. Those all sound similar to you? To end rebellion, finish sin, and atone for guilt? Yeah. When did all this happen? On the cross. Yeah, Jesus came. This, the atonement for guilt, the, the, the end to rebellion, the sin of mankind, to finish sin, to stop it, um, to stop its domineering and domination over mankind, it ends on the cross. So that's a part of what we're talking about here, is the cross. And we shouldn't lose sight of that when we try to figure out when, yesterday, today, or tomorrow. And then the second part, to bring everlasting righteousness, to seal up prophetic vision, and to anoint a most holy one. Now that's not necessarily in chrono perfect chronological order, but it's all part of the same thing, isn't it? Yeah. For example, compared to when Jesus atoned for sin and when he was anointed the most holy one, which one came first? The anointing came first. It is baptism, right? And then the crucifixion came a little bit later. But we're talking about the same thing, and this is poetry talking about the one thing that happened, the one unit thing. I'm going to say that again. The one unit thing that happened Christ came for us. This is all about that in this verse. 
So notice in the first triplet, to end, to finish, to atone, he's getting rid of sin, which is one part of Jesus' work. He did two important things for us. He covered over our sin, but then he also did something else. He brought righteousness. So not only did Jesus take away our sins, but Jesus also gave to us the righteousness that God requires of each one of us. Remember the parable of the the wedding banquet or the wedding garment? Can somebody summarize that parable briefly? Or should I? The, the, there, in, in ancient times, when you went to a wedding, it seems as if you, you, you didn't have your best outfit. You went in your ordinary grubs, your work clothes, because you didn't always know when a wedding was going to happen. Suddenly a groom would say, I'm getting married. And, oh, okay, I put down, you know, stop turning the potter's wheel and kind of wash off my hands and go. And then when I got there, the groom or his father or somebody would hand me a nice wedding garment to wear. I would put it on. In the parable, one of those visitors, one of the guests, doesn't have on the garment. He refused what was offered by the groom. And so what does the groom say? Throw him out. What does that teach us about our spiritual lives? Jesus gives us the robe of our righteousness. And we can't get to heaven without it. If somebody were to try to get to heaven apart from Christ, Christ will say, throw him out. He's got to have the garment. So he'll, he brings righteousness. So in a way, we have a full thing, which is our sins, that has to be emptied. And we have an empty thing, which is our righteousness, which Christ filled. Okay, does that make it easier with you? Okay. Okay, that's verse 24. So it's a special but definite period of time, 77s. There are 70 of them and there are 7s. Well, um, does that mean, what's 7 times 7? 49. 70 times 7, therefore, is 490. And that's just about the time of, the, the period of time before Christ came from Daniel's time. So we're getting close there to, from the end of the exile, to, or, or from the destruction, the desolation of the temple, which is on its way, or the rebuilding, actually, not the desolation, the rebuilding of the temple, which is on its way, until the time Christ comes. So just about 490 years exactly. Um, so 77s kind of seems like it could be, um, but these are spiritual numbers, and we should be careful with them, not to insist especially that they're literal or take them literalistically. This is a vision, uh, an appearance of an angel given to Daniel. So the 77s, either from the rebuilding of the temple to the time of Christ, which is our view. And I, I told you I wouldn't do this, but here are just a couple without a, without a, a grid. Maybe from the rebuilding of the temple until the time of the Maccabees, it's not quite enough time. Or from the book of Daniel to the end of the world, some take it that way, which is kind of a millennial way of doing it. And there's problems with that as well. Um, but we would take it the first way. Verse 25. You should know and have insight from the going out of a word to restore and rebuild Jerusalem that's the restoration of the, 
of the, of the city under Cyrus. That's the word going out. Until an anointed one, a ruler, the anointed one in Hebrew, Messiah, a ruler comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. Jerusalem will be rebuilt with public squares and a moat, but during troubled times. So the word moat here could be trench or conduit. Uh, there was a special waterway in Jerusalem that got built during troubled times. Um, it was begun in King Hezekiah's time, Hezekiah's tunnel, and completed a little bit later. Um, uh, but Jerusalem was restored. Jerusalem uh, uh, looked like this um, at the time of the rebuilding with special towers uh, that were there. Um, and another, another view of this is this one, uh, kind of an overhead uh, artist's rendition with a picture of Hezekiah's tunnel in the middle, incidentally, but waterways all around the city as well. Um, it could have been some other conduit. Um, but with regard to the verse, verse 25, um, so you have uh, two finite but unspecified time periods, the 62 sevens and the additional seven, is that how it goes? Um, seven sevens and 62 sevens. There, the order will come to rebuild Jerusalem. And at the end of that second period, the 62 sevens, the Messiah will come and do his work. Okay, so the view of Jerusalem again, the map of Jerusalem, and verse 26. Then after the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be cut off and have nothing. What does it mean that the, that the Messiah will be cut off? He'll die. Yeah, that's the crucifixion. He'll have nothing. Both the city and the holy place will be destroyed by a people by the people of a ruler who is coming. Was Jerusalem and the temple destroyed? Yeah. How long after Jesus' crucifixion did that happen? Well, the crucifixion happens in about the year 30. And the destruction of the temple happens in about the year 70. So they're pretty close together, aren't they? So it's kind of, the, in fact, Jesus' disciples, with one exception, with two exceptions, were still living when the destruction of Jerusalem happened. So his followers are still here at that time. Um, and that's also another, an important point with regard to an earlier bit of the prophecy. The disciples are still living for a while after Jesus is crucified and rises and ascends into heaven. Um, uh, uh, let me read the middle part of this again. Both the city and the holy place will be destroyed by the be people of a ruler who is coming. Who were though that? Who was that people? The Romans, yeah, the Romans, under another ruler, and its end will be with a flood. So um, this kind of a figurative flood, it will just suddenly come, and there will be war until the end, and desolations have been decreed. Now, what end is that? I think it's the end of the world. Yeah, the end of the world. So war, and Jesus says, until the end, right? Wars, rumors of war, earthquakes. How many earthquakes have happened this calendar year so far? It's, it's, it's dozens. Oh, just to summarize 26 again. I'm sorry, just to summarize it. At the end of the second undefined time, the 62 years, 
Messiah would die, and after this, another people with another ruler would destroy Jerusalem, the temple, and after that, the end of the world will come, and um, it'll come with a flood or like the flood. Um, the flood came suddenly, right, on the people, destroyed everything. And after the flood, the one thing God promised about the flood was, I won't destroy the world with a flood ever again, but I will destroy the world with a blank. You know, you can fill in the blank. What will God destroy the world with in the end? Fire. Yeah. All right, 27. He will confirm a covenant for the many during one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will cause sacrifice and offering to cease. So that short time after the ascension of Jesus, the offering and sacrifice would come to an end. Since the destruction of the temple in 70 AD by Titus, there has been, not, not Titus the Bible author, Titus the Roman general, there has been no sacrifice made. Jews today do not serve lamb at the Passover. Why not? They can't present the lambs to the priest anymore to be consecrated. So what do Jews use at, at Passover? Chicken. Yeah, yeah. Orthodox Jews will use chicken. A non-Orthodox Jew will say, well, let's be traditional and use a lamb. But they won't prepare the lamb in the correct way because they're not going to go to a priest at the temple to have it okayed. So an Orthodox Jew will use chicken today. Um, So, yeah. On the wing of abominations or a wing of the temple, there is no word there. On the wing of it is what you have in Hebrew. So is it the, the wing of the abomination, like coming along with, or is it on the wing of the temple as if it's on one corner of the temple? Well, is one who causes desolation or the abomination that causes desolation until the decreed end is poured out on the one who causes desolation? So something bad's going to happen. It's going to happen to God's people It's going to happen uh, maybe on the wing of the temple or along with the destruction that's coming. It's the rise of the Antichrist. And the good news is that there's going to be an end to this. There's going to be, the end will be poured out on the one who causes desolation. So the work of the Antichrist will finally come to an end. Um, So an end will come to sacrifice and offering that's decreed by God but an end will also come to the Antichrist who rises up at about that same time and continues on until today. Um, but an end will come for him as well. So I know that the NIV has, on a wing of the temple, he'll set up an abomination that causes desolation. I think that's how it goes. Um, but the Hebrew is unclear. And the EHV here is just trying to use the words that are there in the text. But there's kind of an unfinished phrase. So it's, 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 it's tricky to understand. Um, but we have a couple things. An end to offering and sacrifice, the Old Testament sacrifices will come to an end. That's a good thing because God decrees it. Worship given to the Antichrist will come to an end. That's also a good thing. There's going to be one who causes desolation um, coming out of that army, out of Rome somehow, that causes the wreck of the temple. Where does the Antichrist come from? Rome. Yeah. 
And there will be an oppression coming to God's church, but that oppression will come to an end. And some of the other prophecies coming after this will also help to explain, um, you endure, little flock, the coming destruction will come to an end, and you will, you'll survive this. So if we can look at this with a picture, you know, I have a couple minutes left here. This, and keep in mind, I'm only telling you what the text says. This is not what some other denomination teaches. This is how we put it. So after seven weeks in some way, in some sense, and would that maybe be even the, 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 the years in between the giving of the orders of Cyrus until the building of the temple, or is it the 70 years of captivity? But it'll happen. Jerusalem will be rebuilt. That's the far left-hand side of the, of the picture there. And 62 weeks until the coming of the anointed Messiah, the Christ. Then at the end of that final week, um, you know what, let me, let me walk through it a little bit more easily. So after the Jerusalem is rebuilt, then the 62 weeks, then the enemy destroys the city and the Messiah is cut off, the crucifixion, and the crucifixion comes just before the destruction of the city. So that's 30 years difference, but they're pretty close together. It's still in the lifetime of the apostles. And that's that final week then that begins. Now along with the destruction of the city comes an end of sacrifice. It's the rest of the New Testament age. But something else happens that was back in verse 24. It is the end of the writing of scripture. Did you catch that back in verse 24? Let me, let me, let me click back to it if I can. Um, da, 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 there. In the second to last line, the last three lines, to bring everlasting righteousness, which Jesus did on the cross, to seal up prophetic vision. It's the end of the writing of Scripture. We're not going to do that. And what happens? At, how much of Scripture is written after the lifetime of Jesus' apostles? None. That's it. It follows, though, that Jesus' apostles, his followers, they're the last authors of Scripture. So who is the very last author of Scripture? John, with his five, last five books, three epistles, Revelation, and the Gospel. Maybe not in that order. Validate or finish or make sure that it doesn't get changed. There are all kinds of potential meanings of stamp of authority with a ring. Yeah, the signet ring. Yeah, yeah. And in this case, from God. And that, that this and how did God put his stamp of approval on the New Testament epistles? What did he give to the apostles besides the word? Miraculous power. Yeah. So um, Peter um, heals a cripple. Paul heals a cripple. Um, Peter is healing people with just his shadow. Paul is healing people with just his handkerchief. Um, there are parallels in, in those. They're, 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 they're administering the sacraments. They're healing people. They're, they, they, they both raise somebody from the dead. You know, the, the five people who raise somebody from the dead in the Bible, Elijah and Elisha in the Old Testament, Jesus raises Jairus' daughter, the youth of Nain, Lazarus, Am I missing one? The three? And then um, 
And, uh, and then Peter raises Tabitha, the, 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 the seamstress. And who does Paul raise? Eutychus. Paul's preaching his farewell sermon at Ephesus. And, uh, and he goes too long and he falls out to the Ephesians, not at Ephesus. But he falls out the window, the third story window and dies. And Paul, just like Elisha, goes and lays on the boy and raises him back to life again. Um, so the five resurrection miracles, not counting the one with Elisha's bones. Do you know about that one too? After Elisha died and was buried, this is in 2 Kings, Elisha was buried and they were at war with the Arameans and some guys were going to bury a friend of theirs who had died in the wars and they started working at the tomb in some way and they see the Aramean army coming up over a hill in the distance and they realize, we haven't got time to do this. They open up Elisha's grave, throw in the body and as soon as the dead body hits Elisha's bones, he comes back to life again and comes out. That's in 2 Kings. Um, so just an added bonus miracle there for you. In, in the chapter, to make this a little bit simplified, we have a warning, which is the law. The warning is there's trouble coming. But we have gospel comfort, which is that God will be with his people. Is that an adequate way of summarizing the chapter without getting confused about numbers and things also? There is trouble coming, but God will be with his people. Messiah is coming, and he will atone for our sins. Might have time for a couple of questions before we get to chapter 10, which is a slightly shorter chapter next time. But before then, Dan? It, right, it, it must come, yeah. And to answer the question, the 70 weeks, yesterday, today, or tomorrow? Yesterday. Yeah, this has already taken place. This is from the time of the rebuilding of the temple under Cyrus the Great to the coming of Jesus and the destruction of the temple, the end of the New Testament being, being written, I should say. That's the 70 weeks. And we're now in the time period following that, the New Testament era, which goes on unbroken till the last day. We will not have a warning that the last day is coming beyond the seasonal things that Jesus has given us, wars, rumors of wars, the coming of the Antichrist and so forth. Trouble will still come, but God will be with his people. That's the message we take away from all of this. This has already all taken place, but God is with his people. What's Hebrew for God with us? Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Yeah. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. See you next time. Daniel chapter 10 next time. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.